Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. We're so thankful that you are here today. Look at the person next to you and say, let's get started. All right, all right. Hey, we've been doing this series called Authority. And for the past several weeks, if you have not been here or it's your first time here, be sure to download our app. If you go to the App Store and type in Freedom Church Gallatin, download the app. And you can go back and see the other series, listen to them. You can download them and things like that. Also, there's a myriad of other things you can do on the app. Uh, But also, today, if you want the teaching notes for that, just go there, download the app, look under Sundays, and you can find that. But today, as I kick off the story, I have a question, kick off this, uh, this message. I have a, a, something to ask you. Uh, how many of you have ever received a love letter? Raise your hand. Those of you who hadn't, I want you to come up here. We're going to pray over you and, and anoint you with oil that you will. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, some people think they're too cheesy and all that kind of stuff. But man, I love and I cherish the love letters I've gotten from my wife. I have one in my hand right here. And I'm going to read you an excerpt from it. I'm not going to read you all of it because it's a little bit too steamy for church today. But anyway, uh, this was right before we were about to go on a trip together. And I don't know what kind of mood she was in, but I sure did like the mood that she was in. Pound chicka pound now. But anyway... Um, I want to read you. <laughs> I don't know where that come from. I'm just me. Y'all know that. But anyway, um, I want to, she starts it off, my dearly beloved groom. Man, it sounds like starting off in Song of Solomon or something. But anyway, um, she went through the letter. But I just want to read you this last paragraph here. Uh, she said, of all the things taking place around us, This love is what I hold most dear to my life and existence. Never doubt my passionate, devoted, sincere love, uh, sincere love you have always. And you know, that's amazing to your wife to tell you that, that never doubt that. But then you know what that's like? That's like the love letter of God, his word. That's what God's word is. It's a love letter. And it's almost like this last excerpt that Shanda spoke to me would be as if God speaking to me and you. Think about it. Of all the things taking place around us, this love is what I hold most dear to my life and existence. Never doubt my passionate, devoted, sincere love you have always. God is love. And when we think about God's love for us, it's hard for us to fathom that because the Bible is a love letter from God and the Bible is our authority. And as I have said, when it comes to God's authority, you know, we need to get under God's authority because we basically will never get under what God has put over us until we get under what God has put over us. We'll never be able to get over that. You understand what I'm saying? And when you think about God's word, when we get under God's authority, 
for ourselves, our spouses, our families, then we're under the authority of Scripture. We're under the authority of the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, it's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the the B-I-B-L-E, another acronym for the Bible. Basic instructions before leaving earth. That's what it is. So the Bible is what it is. And you say, well, what do you mean? When you think about the Bible, uh, a lot of people, they uh, just have different views of it. For me, the Bible is that love story of God's heart to me. And that's what it really boils down to. Uh, You know, it's written over a period of 1,500 years. There's 66 basically love stories that compiles it up. There is 37, I think, what is it? There is, um, uh, let's see here, there's 39 in the Old Testament. There's 27 in the New. And it's inerrant, means there's no errors in it. It's infallible, means there's no fault in it. And today, though, when we think about people, the book is the Word of God. And the conclusion to it is, is when the Bible speaks, that's God speaking. But there's a lot of people, first and foremost, they want to deny it. You say, what do you mean with that? People today, they say, I don't believe it. I don't buy into it. You know, I don't accept it as the word of God. And if that's you today or you're watching online with us today, thank you for watching. You know, that's anyone's prerogative to be able to say such a thing. I could say for an example, if I walked over here to the edge of this stage and say, you know what? This really isn't a four foot drop off here. Let me just keep on walking. And you know what's going to happen? There's a good chance I may very well break my leg if I walked off the stage. Right, But I can deny it all I want to, but there's a four foot drop off there. Trust me in that. And uh, but usually people who deny the Bible, they have a vested interest in denying it. Because you see, we don't really read the Bible. The Bible reads me and you. So a lot of people deny it. Also, a lot of people, they want to distort the Bible. And you say, what do you mean? They claim, okay, to believe it. But, and so they, but they do all these things where it's, it's contortions and they twist it and they turn it, you know, and things like that. And, and, and they want to double down on it. It's saying, well, it says this, but it really means this. They want to double it out. Let me ask a question. How many, is anybody here double joining? Raise your hand. Anybody double joining? It's kind of like me. I look kind of weird, you know, when I do, when I do this number right here, you know, I look kind of afflicted, you know, but anyway, you know, it's kind of like people double joining. People want to double down on the Bible and say, it says one thing, but it really means another. And what they end up doing is that they take it out of context and then they make their own theology out of what the Bible says. Now, when you read the Bible, you really should read it to where that you read it literally for what it says, but also you ask the leadership of the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what the Bible says, the logos, the written word of God. And I'll get more into that next week and what it means between the, the being able to understand the rema, the spoken word of God. It's a big difference between the spoken word and the written word. But understand this as well. When we look at the Bible, a lot of people also want to dissect the Bible. They want to rip it apart. Rather than reading it as a love letter, what people end up doing it, they look at it and treat it as if it is a math book. Everything's got to line up perfectly. It can't be this. It can't be any contradictions. No, it always complements. It never really 
contradicts itself. And here's what blows my mind about people today. We had rather worship the God and worship God and study and dissect rather than really be able to worship the God of the Word. That's what, where people are. And, and today, there's always a scientist that comes out and says, well, the scientists come out and said that now they say the Bible's true and whatever it is in this. Does this increase my faith in the Bible because the scientist comes out and says something like that? Absolutely not. It increases my faith in the scientist that they actually found out something that I already knew was true. See, the Bible is true and it's faithful and it's real. My faith is already in the Word of God. So, something else they do, they disregard it. And man, it's so sad. People claim to buy into the Bible. They claim to believe it. But they don't know much about the Bible. They don't really live out the Bible. And they claim it's the Word of God, but they treat it as if it's outdated. They treat it as if it's absolutely unimportant in their lives. You say, what do you mean? It's kind of like this. How many of you here own a Bible in here on the sound of my voice? You own a Bible? Raise your hand. Okay. Yeah. It'd be like the Bible here and, and you say, I own the Bible, but if you're not making it a part of your life every day of your life, you know, you sit here and you look at the Bible and say, let's see here. Well, it says for me to love the Love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. I don't like that there. That's, that's not good. I don't like that. Oh, it says on this page here, it says, Wives, so, you know, I'm going to be able to submit to my husband as unto the Lord. I don't like that. I'm not going to do that. That's not going to work. Oh. Wow. Oh, Wow. It says here, bring tithes and offerings, bring the tithe to the church, which is local church. I, I'm keeping my money. I'm not doing that. Oh, it says here. No, it says, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery. Hmm, I like the menu. I'm not doing that. I'm, I'll do what I want to. I'm not touching that person. Or it says, oh, we, oh. It says, oh, you must not covet another, per, covet a person's stuff. I, I don't like that there. It's just not going to work for me. <laughs> Some of you are really upset with me right now. See, it says the Bible here. And it says the inner monologue by Morgan Freeman. And it says the Somerville translation here, but it's actually a cookbook. So just get over it, okay? <laughs> it's a cookbook. All right? But I'll tell you, when it comes to the Bible that we all say that we own? <laughs> How do you think God feels when we rip it apart by how we live our lives? See, we all have our own versions of the Bible, don't we? We all have our own ways about it. If we edit our own versions, we will live our life in perversion. Let me say that again. If we edit our own version, then we're going to live our lives in perversion. It's time that we quit editing the Bible. It is what it is, and it says what it says. It's time to understand and process what it means to live under the authority of God's Word. You say, well, why? Well, it's simple. Look at Proverbs 28, 9. It says, God detests, 
That is, makes him sick. The prayers of a person who ignores the law. What is the law? It is the law of Scripture. So if I have an incomplete Bible, if I was hypothetically ripping things out of it, I don't want to see. If I have an incomplete Bible, that means I have an incomplete life. If we turn a deaf ear to Scripture, then understand that even my prayers are detestable to God. We hide behind our prayers so many times. Don't pray stupid prayers. Quit wasting God's time and yours. And some of you are thinking, what do you mean, Pastor? I thought we were supposed to pray. What's a stupid prayer? Well, Lord, bless my family. Please bless my family, Lord. And when it comes to the church, maybe you're not involved in the local church. You're not serving in the context of biblical community when it comes to your life. You're not loving your wife as Christ loved the church. You're not serving your husband as unto the Lord. And you're not submitting to him. Or you're not forgiving somebody in your life and one another as Jesus has forgiven you. How in the world is God going to bless your life when you're not in a blessable position? You're in a life and you're living life outside of the authority of God's word over here. And you're getting hammered out here by hell. You're getting drinks by dysfunction in your life because you're not living under the authority of God's word and what the word teaches. You take some of it, but you don't take all of it. You live by some of it, but you don't live out all of it. See, that's what ends up happening. A stupid prayer would be like, God, bless my relationships. Bless my relationships, Lord. And maybe you're here and you're single or you're a student and you're dating a non-believer. You're having sex outside of wedlock. Or maybe you're cursing and using God's name in vain. God's not going to bless your life. If you're doing that, stop wasting his time and yours. Listen to me. Obey, then pray. It's not pray, then obey. We'll never reach the ultimate position until we live a life of total submission right here under the authority of God's word. So we disregard scripture. We end up editing the Bible to live our lives the way we want to. The Bible is what it is with me or without me, with you or without you. So truly, I want to look at a few things of what the Bible is. First and foremost, the Bible is like this letter that Shanda gave me. The Bible is a love letter. It's affirmation. I love what Jer Prophet Jeremiah said in 31 in verse, last part of verse 3. He said, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you unto myself. See, God's word affirms his love for you and for me. It is God's word to us. It tells us how much God loves me and you. It is a personal and intimate love story about how he loves me and you. God's love letter to us is tender, though it's tough. It's tender when we obey it. But man, it's tough. Whenever we disobey it, we don't really break God's commands. The truth is God's command breaks us 
That's what it boils down to. The problem is many people say, well, pastor, you know, I want to know God. I want to hear him speak in my life. I want to be able to not hear him say something to me. He has already spoken. He has spoken. And, and this is my Bible. Okay. This is my, it's true. It's the word. Okay. Um, he has already spoken us through his ultimate love letter to each of us in our lives. And all you got to do is open up the word of almighty God and read about his love for me and you. And then when you come into that relationship, you have your sins forgiven. You are born again. You have your name written in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. And then you begin to grow in a relationship with God almighty because he loves you because God is love. And we need to get into the word. And when the word gets in you, it's amazing the life that Jesus will lead you in when you're obeying and living out the word and praying to seek his will and everything you do praise his holy name so many times we get all messed up about things and we don't make it a part of our life and here's what's amazing to me probably most people i'm not being judgmental i'm just going by the actions of people most people know more about news they know more about sports. They know more about business. They know more about politics. They know more about COVID-19 than they do this most important book on the earth that we could ever be given as people. Let me ask this question. How many of you here on the sound of my voice, or those watching online from wherever you are across the world, how many of you believe that this Bible is the Word of of God. If you believe that, would you raise your hand real high toward heaven so God knows that you know and you believe that? Even if you didn't raise your hand, that's okay. God is leading you here and you're here and you're seeking him out or you would not have come today. It is the word of Almighty God. How many of you believe this? How many of you believe everything that you read on your newsfeed, on the internet, on Facebook or what you see on TV. If you believe all that stuff, please raise your hand right now. See? So here's where I'm very, very confused today. And this right here, I had to digest this before you get it. Think about this. Why do we spend more time on stuff like that that we don't believe than in stuff that we do believe? Why? Why do we do that? The Bible is what it is. It's a love letter to us, but also it's light. It's light. It gives us direction. Direction. Oh, Lord Jesus, God, help us in America today. How many of you believe that the world around us right now in our nation's in darkness? Raise your hand. It's in darkness. Oh, Lord, help us. I will never forget, I was about, I was about 10 or 12 years old, and uh, me and my cousins... And my brother was going to camp out. And we went down behind my cousin's house, and there was a creek running down there. And uh, we went down there to camp out, and it's on, a, on a whatever night it was. I don't remember the night, but I remember this happening very vividly. And uh, the problem was is that during that era of time, or was a season of time, there was a huge pack of wild dogs that was in that area. They were so bad. We don't know if there was coyotes mixed with them, but we knew no, it was dogs and it was a huge pack of them. And they had killed uh, some calves and it was bad and found different things dead and stuff during that time. Well, we went down there at night to camp out and around midnight, we're having a good time and we got a fire and we got our little bit of stuff going on. I don't you know, we's eating whatever we's eating there, roasting marshmallows and 
we heard that pack of wild dogs come in our direction from a distance. And we like to pee on ourselves, okay? I'm just being honest. We freaked out. I mean, my, my brother and, and my other cousins, they were older than me, a few years older than me. And we didn't have a gun. We didn't have anything with us. We had four 10 shotguns back in. We'd have them with us camping out. We had a little old tiny flashlight. And we were a long ways from my cousin's house. And man, we left everything there because we knew that this could be bad. You know, it's, it's midnight and a huge pack of, you know, 15 to 20 mad dogs doing whatever they're doing. So we tore out running all we could do and followed that flashlight to be able to get home. And then we were safe. Isn't it kind of like the world that we're in right now? We need light. We need direction. Because there's darkness all around us and there's fear and there's people panicking and there's people living in darkness and there's people following their own way in that darkness. They need the light of God's holy word to lead them in the direction for which God created them and God has let them live in existence and had a purpose for their life. I love Psalm 119 and verse 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. See, the Bible is God's word and it leads us where we need to go, not where we want to go. That's what's so important about his word. So many people are just standing in that darkness. They're standing in dangerous situations. Why is that? Because they want to go where they want to go rather than where God wants to lead them in the light of his direction. And just like that night that we jumped up and we were scared and fearful, we wanted the light and we wanted a direction on the way home. We wanted to find a path that we could follow to get back home and to take back home. And that's just like right now. That's what God's word does for me and you. It's a light to give us the right direction in life how many of you here uh, uh, think about God's word being lunch when it's lunch it's nutrition it's gonna nutritiously feed us man you know a lot of times though when it comes to to that Jesus said this in Matthew 4 and 4 he said people do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God and say every word it didn't say some words. Jesus didn't say some or what you like. Kind of reminds me of a buffet. How many of you here like buffets eating at them? Man, I tell you what, I love a good buffet. Man, it's really nice. We went to a buffet down in Orlando this summer. Um, uh, Lily and Cody and the boys, we went down there and they, wanted, they went to the park down there. And Shannon and I just kind of stayed behind. But one night we went to a all-you-could-eat lobster buffet. Can I get a witness? You know what I'm talking about? Man, it's really cool. You couldn't miss pulling up to it because it had this little VW car and had this huge lobster on top of it. You could not miss the place. So anyway, you go in there, man, and you go up, man, and you go up and say, just give me a couple lobsters here. And I'll go over here and say, oh, yeah, give me some of them crab legs right there. Give me a little of them crab legs. I'll go over here. No, I don't want no oysters, slimy oysters with snot on them. I, I like the fried oysters right here. I'm going to get a little of them fried oysters, you know. But anyway, you're just getting a little bit of everything, you know. I think I ate like eight lobsters that night. How many of you like lobsters? Man, you take dip that stuff and man, I'm getting hungry. It's getting close to lunch. Let me get back in. But anyway, here's what I think people end up doing. They treat the word of God like a buffet. Oh, you can give me a little of forgiveness in here. Oh, you can give me a little bit of mercy. Oh, I don't need that holiness stuff. I don't need that generosity stuff right there. I don't need that because it's not for me. 
You know, that's the way people are today. They want to skip right past some of the things that they need. They treat it like a buffet to get a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And the temptation is today, the world simply tells us to make our own plate and just to pile on this, a little of this, pile on a little of that. It becomes so politically correct today to determine our own truth. That's what's happening in the world around us. But until we read God's truth, we're not going to know the truth of God. It's just not going to happen. We need to feed on every aspect of God's Word and God's Word daily on our own. And we need to come together on the weekend like this for a big family meal. Because I love being hanging out with a family here for a big family meal, and that's church. So we need to eat regularly, and we eat vigorously. When you exercise vigorously, it's kind of like diet and exercise. How many of you don't like hearing the word diet and exercise? You know, it kind of pulls you up by your bootstraps. Well, that's what we need to do spiritually. We need to bring in the Word of God. Then we let the Word of God come out of us to be able to be doers of the Word, not just hearers that James tells us. Too many people say, I want a Bible study. Let's got to go get a Bible study. Let's go study the Bible. And many Christ followers, you know what they are? They're biblically fat and they're spiritually sick because they can't live out what they already know in the Word of Almighty God. If you closed your Bible right now, you'd probably never be able to live out what you already know. We want the Bibles, buddy, but with so many times we don't want the Bible to study us and how we're living. See, information without application and transformation is an abomination. Let me say it one more time. Information without application and transformation is an abomination. It makes God sick. Ah. Would you rather go to a Bible study? about the Good Samaritan or had you rather be a Good Samaritan? Had you rather go to a Bible study about Revelation or had you rather be a Revelation to the world around you? Don't fall for that trap. You use God's Word as the ultimate fuel for your life. Proverbs 28 and 26 says, those who trust their own insights are foolish. They be a fool, like Mr. T says. Don't pity the fool. Those who trust their own insights are foolish. But anyone who walks in wisdom is what? Say that word out loud. Safe. See, for many people, it's all about being this rugged, individualistic person. And that's what they see as heroic in our day and time. That's what they see as a barometer of saying a person is a success. We admire the people that are bold, self-directed men and women who know what they want and they fight for it, see? They're those kind of people that they're self-reliant, neither giving nor asking for advice in life. But what a contrary way to live to God's way of living. See, no one can know what the future is, nor can they predict the consequences of the choices that they make with absolute certainty. So a person that's a totally reliant person upon themselves, they are doomed to fail ultimately. 
The wise person, though, trusts and fully depends upon God Almighty, his word for affirmation, for direction, and for the nutrition of their life. But I'll tell you something else the Bible is. It is life. It brings about protection. Now, how many of you here have ever lived in a home that has a basement in it? Anybody raise your hand, got a basement. They're really nice. It was really good for my brother and I in the year 1984. My parents were running a paper route. They were gone early in the morning and a tornado come at our home. If you've never been in a tornado or been near a tornado, it is a terrifying thing to go through. Me and my brother rushed downstairs. We got in the basement and we were looking out the little window that's ground level and we could see nothing but just a white blur and we could hear nothing but the roar of like a train. And thank God it didn't rip our house apart, but it did damage to our vehicles and things like that. The neighbor's house ripped the roof off of it and everything. But thank God during that storm, we, as of our lives, were protected. And you know, when I look at Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5, it says, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. See, just like the storms you have in life. You have the physical storms, you have the relational storms, you have the financial storms, you have the professional storms because you know God's word is true and he proves that. He's gonna be a shield and protect you. And also, even it comes to your very life, live or die with God, we're good. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. See, this book will keep us from sin, but also sin will keep you from this book. So important that we understand that in our very lives. Always, always myself in my life, when I think about this book, how many of you were ever taught not to stack anything on top of this book? Anybody? You know, it's just like, it just, you just didn't do that. You didn't stack anything on top of it. But I want you to know a lot of times people in their lives, when they are obeying it and they're under it, life is good. Life is really good. You're, you're obeying it. Then you're praying it and you're seeking God. You're under his authority of his word. But see, what people do in essence in their lives, they might not be st stacking other books on top of it and papers and things like that. But what they end up doing when anyone disobeys this book and I'm over it and I'm stacking stuff on top of it, life's not going to be so good. When I'm stacking my agenda on top of it, I'm stacking my needs on top of it, I'm stacking my wants on top of it. But whenever I am under it, I get top results from God. Almighty, when I apply it to my everyday life, instead of following Jesus' model, a lot of people, what Jesus said, not my will, but God, your will be done. A lot of people are just like, not your will, God. Come on, God. This is my plans. This is my agenda. This is my wants. This is my need. Come on, Lord, bless me. Come on, Lord, bless me. They're not living in his will because they're not looking for what his will truly is. Second Timothy in chapter three and verse 16, Paul said to Timothy in the second letter, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to Number one, teach us 
what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Also, look here, what else it does? It said it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So whenever I am taking the word of God in full application in my life and I'm having it to be able to teach me, correct me, and to be able to prepare me and equip me for every good work in life, I am getting the Bible, which is, which is God's heart. Just like I was so thankful when I get those letters from my wife and I know what her heart and her love is to me, this is a love letter to me that I understand what God's heart is to me. So what should we do with it when it comes to God's word? We need to study through it. We need to study through it. I'm not telling you, you got to read 40 chapters a day and you got to work, you got kids, you got life, you got all this stuff going on. I am telling you to study through it. Don't study for length, you study for depth. But then also when you study it, you pray it in your life. God, what are you trying to say to me today? So many times I will tell you in my personal walk with God, when I have read the word and said, God, I'm praying it in, what are you speaking to me? That makes application in situations that I find myself in in daily life. But not only then, as I'm praying it in, then I live it out in my life. I live it out. I just don't take it in and look at it as information. That ultimately will become an abomination. It makes God sick if you don't take and do something with it. But you live it out. But then what's so crucial, especially when you're around people and you have children, you are to pass it on. You pass it on. Don't keep it to yourself. It's that important. God's word is the church's message and the message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you think about the gospel, the gospel means good news. We have no other message but the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it says in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 1 and 18 in the New Testament, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. It is the central event the cross is, and the Bible is the book of life, and it is a beautiful love story. It has one villain, it is the devil. It has one hero, which is Jesus, and it has one central theme, and it says that Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, and he's continuing to save for those who will come to him. He is Lord. I pray that he is Lord of your life today. Are you really reading it so you can study through it, pray it in, live it out, and pass it on? We can do that together. See, we started Freedom Church over 18 years ago as a call of God. And you know what? We said from the very beginning that God's word would be the only authority that we have for our church. So when someone asks you, what kind of church is Freedom Church? You tell them it is a Bible believing, it is a Bible teaching church. The Bible is God's authority at Freedom Church. There's no other book. And that's something that we believe in as a church. I truly believe in it in my own life. Something I want to ask you to join me in that God put on my heart sometime back. 
I know many of you that's Bible, avid Bible readers, you have your U version, you have your different plans, you do this and you do that. But I would love more than anything to know that God's heart is coming to the heart of this body together. So I want to ask you and I want to challenge you if you can just, if, if you're, you're a read a lot, you can still do your other Bible plans that you do. But I want to ask you as you leave today, we're going to give you this simple Bible plan that Freedom Church goes through the New Testament together. Now, some of you might think, well, I don't read a lot or whatever. This is just five days a week. It's not all seven. So, you know, you can figure out what that's going to be like. If you read in the morning, it might take you 10 minutes to do the reading. 15, if you just, if you read slower or whatever, it doesn't matter, 10, 15 minutes. But could you imagine the time that you spend on Facebook and the internet and watching TV compared to what you do reading the Bible? So you just mark it off and we're going to start tomorrow will be the first day, five days a week. And we will finish up. There's a little bit of the Old Testament sprinkled into it, just as bonus scripture. But it's mainly the New Testament. And we'll finish up January 24th together. Would you please join me in that? It'd be nothing more. Because I'm telling you right now, God's heart to us is how that we're going to gain the heart of Almighty God. I hope you understand what I've talked about today and the message of the Bible and what it is and the method of passing it on is communicating it. You're not only studying through it and, and praying it in, you know, you're making it, living it out by making application in your life and you're passing it on and the preaching of the gospel is that. It's just simply sharing the greatest story that's ever been told, ever. I want to ask you this. If you had the cure to AIDS, or if you had the cure to cancer, what if you had the cure to COVID-19? What would you do with it? Would you keep it to yourself? I don't think you would. I really think you'd pass the cure on. And you know what's more important than that? We have the cure for eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I know that you were given those balls when you walked in. It might have sounded cheesy and you thought, I really do get to throw it at him today, but you didn't. Thank you. I believe in a crowd of people this size, every person here, even if you don't know the Lord, you know you want to go to heaven. But if you're already a Christian or someone, you want to go to heaven. Will you please go out there to those tables, take that Sharpie, write that person's name on there, drop it in that bin as we all pray for all those people that God made it in His likeness and in His image. Because whenever we see a movie or we read a story or a novel, those famous ones always say, and they lived happily ever after wouldn't it be such a travesty church for somebody that we know and that we love whether it's a friend a brother or sister maybe a parent a co-worker the neighbor across the hall or down the street or across the way that we never got concerned about their soul and they not get to live happily 
ever after will those of us that have been born again and know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So I asked you to be able to do that today. It's so important. Because when it comes to this life, you can be born once and die twice, or you can be born twice and die once. See, when you're born once, that's your physical birthday. You're living, you're breathing right now. But if you never choose to make the Lord, the Lord of your life, you never come under a state of conviction knowing that you are a sinner and that we need sin's forgiveness. And that's why Jesus come down the stairway of heaven and came here and lived 30 years of his life, did ministry for three years, done more than the books could contain according to the word of God and gave his life on the cross of Calvary and said, I love you this much. And he gave his life's blood and we receive that as our own and we never pass it on to somebody God forbid. So we need to pass it on for somebody else because there is your physical birthday that becomes your spiritual birthday. Whenever that day is that you are born again, you have your name written in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. A party takes place because you come to be born again. And then that person that you're praying for comes to be born again. I want you to do everything within the power of prayer and your physical self to get that person here with you at church on September 13th. And I promise you, if you do your part with God's help, God will do his part through the power of the service. Nothing else, planting seeds of hope and purpose and God's plan and joy for the life that what he wants to do in them and through them. Whenever you're born again, you'll spend eternity with Jesus. Once we know in person in our lives, what's amazing is how he changes us radically. He changes us dramatically and he changes us eternally. That's God. So today I want to ask you to stand with me as we pray and we thank God for the greatest love story ever told and ever will be forever. Heavenly Father, we praise you, we honor you, and we thank you, God, for your word that is your heart to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, Jesus. God, may we be people that are gonna study through it. We're gonna pray it in, we're gonna live it out, we're gonna pass it on, God. Together we can do that, God. I pray, God, right now, Lord, for every person here, God, that you would bless their life. And if they do not know you, they're going to know you here in, in this service. They're going to know you, God, whether they're watching online, they're going to pray. And God, they know that their name can be written in heaven as they make reservations. Right now, as we continue praying right now, how many of you know the name of that person already, that loved one, that friend, that neighbor, that coworker, that one you want to write down and you want to pray to come to know the Lord? Would you just lift your hand real high and say, I know who that person is. I'm going to do that because I care about their soul. I want to live happily ever after with them. Heavenly Father, Lord, you've seen their hands go up and their hearts concerned, God, for those people, God. I pray, God, you'll begin to do a work in convicting that person to come to know you and a free pardon of sin in their lives. I want to ask you a question as we continue to pray I'm not asking you about somebody else I'm asking you about you if you left this world today will you live happily ever after will you 
be able to live with God forever? Will you receive your mansion and glory? Will you see the face of the Lord that gave his life for you? Are you just one prayer away from getting under God's authority and experiencing his grace? If that's you, that's why you're here today, friend. You're not here today just because somebody invited you or you thought you'd stop by or you seen it at the corner of the interstate here. You're here because God loves you. And someday, every single one of us, including yourself, is going to stand before a holy God and we're going to meet the Savior. And this book tells us how to meet that Savior and what we're talking about. And the Bible's not like any other book. You can read other books, but there's no word that's going to speak like God's word because it's God speaking. And if you know right now that you are under a state of conviction and you know you've never, ever received Jesus as Lord, I'm going to step down on this floor here just in a moment. And I want to ask you to meet me here. And some of you are thinking, you know, Pastor, I would do that, but it's a lot of people here and I don't want to walk down there by myself. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me here, he said, I'll be ashamed of you in front of my Father in heaven. Listen, I guarantee you one thing. There's people in this house right here. You walk down here to be able to get close to God or to know God or pray for others. People are going to be cheering you on. Isn't that right, church? Can you say amen? Praise his holy name. We want to celebrate in that. So not only that, if you need to come back to the Lord or you need to come to the Lord, I'm going to come down here, but our other pastors and prayer warriors are going to come down here. I want to ask you to step out and come and pray right now. Begin your prayer time for that person that you want to come to know Jesus as Lord. And we're going to worship and we're going to have church, all right? Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for this moment. God, as we worship you, God, we're going to pray for your power to be released upon our own lives and the lives of those we love. We pray for salvation to come into the hearts that needs it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come right on, church. Don't wait. Hello, Pastor Jim here. I just wanted to come on and thank you for listening and help answer the question, what next? If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love to take that journey with you. Simply text the word SAVED to 615-900-2176. And make sure to follow us through the week on our social media accounts at Freedom Church TN. We love you. Have a blessed week.